Welcome to Love, Lead, Listen, a podcast from Alpha Gamma Delta and generously funded by the Alpha Gamma Delta Foundation. I'm your host, Emily Bice. Join us as we discuss topics that affect women of today and examine the ways that we can be women with purpose. Hello, and welcome back to Love, Lead, Listen. Today's guest is Erlene Sunny Alonzo Greer. She is a member of Delta Sigma chapter from the class of 1993, and she's the daughter of immigrant substance farmers. She was culturally adopted and trained in herbal medicine by a respected kahuna and is the youngest member of two kahuna councils convened under federal and state law for traditional native Hawaiian healing. She's been recognized by the Hawaii State Legislature and the City Council of Honolulu for her volunteer service in the community. A lifelong learner, Sunny has an associate's, a dual bachelor's, a master's, and a Juris Doctor degree, as well as two graduate certificates. She has served as Cultural Programs Director for the Hawaii State Historic Preservation Division and was recently the Human Resources Manager for the First Judicial Circuit of Hawaii. She currently conducts internal investigations for the State of Hawaii Department of Education. A former chapter advisor, Sunny is currently the Chapter Wellness Advisor for Delta Sigma Chapter. Sunny, welcome. Hi, welcome. Uh, Thank you for welcoming me. I'm so happy to be talking with you today. And you're joining us remotely from the great state of Hawaii, right? Yes, I am during my lunch break. <laughs> <laughs> That's the power, the joy of the internet, right? Yes. We're recording is part of Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And I want to start off by asking you, do you identify as Asian American or Pacific Islander? Ah, That's really, really complicated because even though my blood and ancestry is Asian, um, particularly Philippines, so that's the race side, because I'm born and raised in Hawaii in a native Hawaiian community adopted by a native Hawaiian kahuna, I identify in, you know, as a Pacific Islander because all my traditions, most of my traditions are native Hawaiian. I mean, that's what I learned that from the moon calendar to the types of food you eat. I mean, even the language, like if you ask me to speak in Ilocano or, or Filipino, I, I think people would laugh at me, but ask me to speak in Hawaiian, I could do that. So, I mean, but because of the situation politically of native Hawaiians, um, I feel like I'm in the liminal. So it's it, it, you know like I'm I even though I identify in one one place, the the political situation makes it very difficult for me to be received politically in that space. So uh, I don't know how to answer that other than that way, but it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> so you said that you're culturally adopted. Is can you tell me what you mean by that? Yeah, there's this word called hanai which means a cultural adoption. You could be adopted at birth or adopted by a Native Hawaiian uh, um, as an adult. And usually it's for passing on traditions. And I was culturally adopted by Papa Henry Allen Awai, who was a kahuna la'au lapa'au. And that is, he's a, he was very respected in herbal medicine, recognized by the American Cancer Society, as well as the American Diabetes Association. He was also a living treasure award for his knowledge in herbal medicine. So you have kapu or restrictions placed upon your family based on your practices. And the kapu for la'au or herbs or herbal healing in his family was you cannot teach outside of the family. 
So, I mean, it's very interesting how family, you know, people think it's just by blood, but he hanaid me, he adopted me. And so that cup, I mean, he didn't have a couple who pass on the traditions. And like I said about the political situation of Hawaii and, you know, losing their kingdom, it's, it's very difficult for those who are born Native Hawaiian to accept that me as a non-blooded Hawaiian have these traditions. So yes, I'm in the liminal. I keep saying I'm in the liminal space in between. That's fascinating. So can you explain a little bit of what a kahuna is? You just said a little bit about it, but I'm I'm learning and I'm sure our listeners are too. So a kahuna, it's it's a, it's um a joining of two words, kahu. Kahu is keeper of, huna is the secret. So there are different like professions. I, I'm just trying to liken it. So the type of kahuna um, that we specialize in is la'au, lapa'au, or the use of herbal medicine for healing. So that, that was my papa. That was what he was known for. Were you interested in herbal healing because of your papa or was it because of uh, some other interest? Y- yes, because of papa, but also because... Um, I'm a farmer's daughter. Like we, we grow plants and, and, you know, that put food on the table, sent me and my sister to college. I don't think people realize how much the food you eat is medicine. Like you either eat medicine or you eat poison. And I was very grateful to have all those foods from like our hands, you know, and, and understand that relation. So, I mean, definitely healing is, <laughs> is, a, is a big part in my life and and the environment. I mean, which is why when I went to law school, it was, I I was the first person from my law school to graduate with both specialty certificates in environmental law and Pacific Asian, which is really the Native Hawaiian um, specialty certificates because of how I was born and raised. So it sounds like you've almost found your own niche in the world. Yeah, but I, I mean, because like I said, of the political situation of Hawaii, it's it's very difficult getting that acceptance or even to be heard. It's like, you look at me and gosh, you're Asian. But yet when I speak, you know, from my heart, from my mouth, it's very Pacific Islander. So you... You had this interest in the environment and in the world around you. How did you go about or how did the process of being culturally adopted? What is that? How does that happen? Oh, well, for I mean, it's very spiritual. There's a difference between spirituality and religion and Papa's, Papa, I mean, you know, your ancestors and your gods, I'm, I'm, I'm totally not the Western, <laughs> even though I, I, I got my academia from Western, is, is very uh, rooted in tradition. And you, you need to listen to what is not being said and what, you know, seriously traditional from dreams, from people who come to you, from the signs in nature. And, and that's how I was selected, you know. That's how Papa adopted me. <laughs> you know, it was through all of that. Like, it, it's like when you make medicine, do you have good hands? Does this person have a good heart to do healing work? And, you know, it's a, a degree, you know, in the Western sense may do that. But when you practice healing from a traditional sense, you are an instrument of healing. And you, as an instrument, there's a higher power. It's a higher spiritual power, not based on religion, but spirituality. And I don't know, it's just difficult to explain. 
I think that's the thing. A lot of people make that distinction between even in just the Western religions between saying that they're not religious, they're spiritual. And it feels kind of similar to what you're describing here. Yes, yes, yes. So you have been adopted into this culture. Can you tell me about some of the traditions and some of what that process was actually like, like actually learning? So um, my, my biological dad, he came from the Philippines as a Filipino immigrant to Hawaii for the sugar plantation. And his first wife was Native Hawaiian. And that's where I'm at, where our farm is at. And so um, it was interesting because I learned looking back, like my dad would teach me like, oh, this plant is called paralia or it's it's uh, it's it means bitter melon, you know, the bitter melon gourd. And when I would have rashes, he would rub the leaves all over my body. And I would be green all over. It looked hideous, <laughs> but it, it would heal the, the the rashes. And so I, I I see similarities in terms of like the plants like my dad and mom used to heal us and versus what Papa, you know, Native Hawaiian. But I mean my most of my teachings are like from Papa. That I, that that's like my basis. And he first and foremost told us what our couple was. You are not to take money for this, for, 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 for healing. Other kahuna may, but not our family. Because as an instrument of healing, you there's no amount of money that can bring life and healing. And it's, it's a spiritual source that is your healing. You're just the instrument. So that was the number one call we had to learn. You had to learn prayers. He, he stuck us in the, in the forest <laughs> and you had to find your way out based on, on what, at least that was like in Waimea, but um, we, we learned about the moon calendar that there's certain plants you plant. Like for, for instance, there's four different moons in the full moon phase, Hua, Akua, Hoku, Mahealani. So Mahealani is the full moon, but then, so in Hua, Hua means fruit. So if you wanted to plant uh, fruits, like say a papaya above ground, like, I mean, anything that bears fruit above ground has to be before the full moon. That is Hua. So that's Hua. Akua is the next moon. Akua means God. You're in prayer before during that time, even before. And it's interesting because the phases after the full moon phase is the la'au phase, which is the gathering phase. So it's, it's all of that, the moon cycles, just the name, the huna comes before the full moon phase. Huna means secret, mohalu. I mean, you, you have to be in preparation and meditation all before you get that whole light from the moon on Mahialani, and then you can gather. And then everything after the full moon fades, we usually plant underground, like say sweet potatoes. Like, so there's a place in when you plant, when you gather, when you go fishing and fishing is not my specialty. So I can't speak about fishing, but we, we did use different types of fish uh, seaweed, um, even sea urchins and uh, sea cucumbers for healing. Like you wouldn't believe, like uh, what, what's different urchins for what do you call that arthritis? Even you know. So I, I mean, there's just so much I, I I think that could be shared, but there's this sense like who's gonna take it? Who's gonna profit from it? Who's gonna get a patent? I mean, I saw that in Papa when he said, "You don't." write a book about it don't you know (laughs) like this stays in the family you know so yeah that's that (laughs) 
So it's almost, it's a tradition that is passed down through family and you were adopted into this family to learn the traditions. Yes. And you have strict couple, like the, the taboos are, that you have to abide by. And like I said, the number one was you never take money for la'au. Yes, that's like major couple. I mean, you violated couple, you could be, they, they call it muku, you cut, oki, to cut. You know, it's like you, you will be like ostracized from the family, you know, banished like back in the day. That's how serious it was when you broke a couple. And I I think nowadays when you go to the university, um, especially University of Hawaii, and they teach you in the Native Hawaiian school, it's, it's a very Western space. And I, I give them much props for, for bringing cultural heritage for Pacific Islanders and Native Hawaiians. But Learning from a university setting is very different from learning from an elder. And so when they teach you language, it's a it's 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 like a cookie cutter language. There's different regional dialects, different islands spoke a different way. I think the further south, I mean, you know, they 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 speak differently, the T's and the K's, the R's and the V's, you know. For instance, that's like one of the chats. That's very Polynesian. But if you change it in Hawaiian language, it's You know, it's like a, just, a, just a small You can hear language. a little difference there. Yeah. So I'm academically trained in the university in like poli-sci American studies and law, but I'm traditionally trained in Native Hawaiian healing. I mean, very big difference. Like, I think right now they teach you la'au at the university. Like, they teach Native medicine at the, you know, and props to them, but it's very different. We have strict kapu. We follow, actually, like a caste. I, I shouldn't say a caste, but a hierarchy. Our line is kahuna. That we are the, like the priesthood. Above us is the ali'i, the chiefs. And I, I, I see the exchanges, like you have the royal order of Kamehameha, and then where the kahuna line and how you interact is very differently. In fact, the type of medicines we give to those of the, the, of the ali'i line, the chiefly line, is very different from the types of medicine that you give to those of the commoners. And I don't think you're going to learn that in the university. Like, there's no way. <laughs> no, that's fascinating. I've never heard that. Can you tell me why is it okay? Tell me a little bit of why there's that difference there. Oh, because back in the day when you had the couple system, oh, it was so severe. Like, you you were separated based not on just your class, but on your rank. I mean, that's, that would be the rank, but on your gender. Like women had other other expectations based, but also you had couple based on the region you're from, the locations, the types of gods you worship based on your quote profession. So when when we do healing work, we have healing chants and, and healing songs. But when you do hula, that's a totally different thing. You have hula gods you worship different from the healing gods. You have hula chants specific to hula you have hula music i mean melee songs specific because it's such a separation back in the in the way of the couple system which supposedly was overthrown but there are those of us who still practice it you know and when you learn about all of this at the university 
I don't think they teach you that. It's, it's just, I will learn a chant specific to Pacific voyaging and canoe. And they believe that that's the chant you use for all situations. And that's not the case. If you did not have the kuleana or the right to say that chant, you, you wouldn't be saying that, you know, especially the rank, like uh, it, it's, it's, it's very traditional. And that's, that's the way I was taught. And that's the way I practice it. And it, conflicts with the unity we all must do this together uh, you know the, the democracy and no no sorry if you're going to claim tradition <laughs> that's how tradition was and it was very severe where people like i back in the day if you stepped in a chief's shadow you would be killed on the spot their their shadow <laughs> wow i don't think that's the case today i'm assuming no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've learned so much, but I have so many other questions now. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So you, you mentioned the different ranks. Is that within the different sects? So you mentioned like hula and uh, healing. Oh, it's like the practice. It's like, you know, you're like, you have, um, I would say profession, if I could liken it to the, the more modern day, like you're a lawyer, you're a teacher, you're, you're, you're a social worker. Yeah. It's like that. Are you a person who practices medicine, a person who, who deals specifically with just voyaging and stargazing? Are you someone who's a, a weaver? We have families in where I live, like uh, where I live, it's it's a Hawaiian cultural living park. And that's that's very, very hard for me to say. But when I was born, they wanted to kick all of us out uh, there because it's the beginning of the Waiahole Ditch, which is the wettest spot on Oahu. And, you know, they want to put it for housing. But back then it was sugar plantation. Sugar was everything. And it went from taro water to sugar water. But where I live, there's like families there that trace up to King Kamehameha one and because the state of Hawaii came in they wanted to kick us all out but my my father and the the family you know the parents of my neighbors they went to the legislature and they lobbied them we were on once a month revocable permits we could have been kicked out anytime it was so difficult growing up in where, where I lived because you didn't know whether or not you'd still be there. That's how political it was. I mean, that's why uh, they, we went, they went to the legislature. They got a, a special law to be passed to allow 31 families who are already there to just live there for 65, you know, for, for 65 years, but you had to teach Hawaiian culture, you know? So it's a Hawaiian cultural living park. We came before the state park. We were already there. And they wanted to remove us, you know, for the water, you know? So, I mean, I grew up in a very political situation and I saw how making laws, you know, allowed us to stay there. So I went into poli-sci and American studies to understand, you know, the foundations of where power is. And I worked at the legislature for six years, two years at city council. And then I, I realized like, even though you got those laws, we're still fighting. We need an attorney. You know, it's, it's just, so I went into law school. It's, it's just, I feel like I was shaped because of the struggles and there's still struggles where I live and you can only do so much. And it's just wonderful. I think to still live in the same six acre farm that I was born and raised in that me and my husband raised our son 
on the same six acre farm. We live, I mean, how many people in Hawaii can say, I live across the fish pond, but if you, you hit the taro patch, you passed my house. Like, I don't think many people in Hawaii can still say that. And I'm very fortunate, very blessed to say that. It sounds like a very special community that you have and a variety and a very diverse just cultural growth there. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is. I mean, and like every community, you definitely have your 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 clashes. But I mean, like like I said, it's the beginning of the ditch. So what is spot on along where I live used to belong to Keohokalole. She was the mother of Hawaii's last king and queen, Kalakaua Liliokalani. So whoever controlled water was the highest ranking, and it's the what is spot on along. In fact, the word vai is fresh water and vai vai means resources or richness you know it's so like definitely when colonization came in and you know western it's like let's take the water let's take the land let's go for the highest ranking and they did they took our special places i mean i live in a park (laughs) like i live in a park it's now a park but i mean without that that designation, you know, that that mechanism of being a park, the place I live in would probably not be that special place anymore because you look at the neighboring communities, back-to-back houses, housing so expensive, you know. So, I mean, in hindsight, I mean, there's it's a double-edged sword, you know. The law is a double-edged sword. So when you look at your culture, do you have we've talked a little bit about the the ways that it's been impacted over the years but do you have fear for it for the future yeah i i do because our lease is there at least from for us there it was only for 65 years after 65 years what's going to happen you know like it's it's going to the, the lease agreement's going to be um canceled that's it there's and I'm looking at there's like no hope I believe for 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 um extending it because it has been difficult to even try to get a, a working living park a Hawaiian cultural living park but I mean I think in a macro sense when you look at what the future holds I think just identifying people and what their real struggles are needs to be addressed. I am very grateful you have that Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, but just that category is is very complex because it doesn't identify the different struggles. I mean, you have African Americans, you have Native American Indians, they all have the struggles and you think it's the same, but we are all lumped together as other. And I, I, I feel that this AAPI lumping if, if I could live in a perfect world, I think that needs to be separated because the Asian American experience is different from the Pacific Islander, where Asian Americans are combating like issues of immigration, you know, that, that seems to be the, the, the prevalent. Pacific Islanders have to deal with decolonization and trying to achieve sovereignty. And that's through a land base that they believe was theirs prior to colonization. Big, big difference. So, I mean, if anything, I, I, I want to take this opportunity to share that, that the experiences and struggles are, are different. And you'll, you're still lumped together and as, as an other, and you come together once a year, every month to celebrate the heritage. But our heritage 
is different. Our struggles are different. We intersect, but it's it's still different. And understanding, educating yourself and respecting that difference and trying to see how you can help advocate or even just support the difference. Difference doesn't have to be exclusion. And I feel like all these lumpings, all our struggles are because we were and still are considered other. I mean, just in the Asian American, I mean, today you have such anti-Asian hate going on and you're lumped together. Like um, I'm Filipino, but when you go out on the street, people lump Chinese, they, 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 they lump Japanese, you know, Koreans all together because of this anti-Asian hate. I think the first step is to realize that, you know, we all have a shared struggle, but we're different people still. But difference doesn't have to be exclusion. Like the more we can include people, like, and, and then that's, that's where you go where, but you have equality, but do we have equity? Do we have access? You know, all of those points are important you know our stories our heritage are different but we can share in terms of the types of tactics that the the, in which we can address this oppression or colonization you know and but you can't do that unless you're aware of it you know so when we have these celebrations of heritage month i think the awareness and education should be first and foremost. And then asking yourself, where do I fit in, in here? And if I'm in a place of power, how can I help? And oftentimes when you're in this other space, and I've, I've seen it, like I said from the beginning, like I'm in a liminal. I may be Asian looking, but I identify myself as, you know, Native Hawaiian. Because I was born and raised in a Native Hawaiian community and I live on, those are my traditions. But when you're fighting so hard, you forget who your allies are and you turn them off through your language or when you exclude them because one, they don't have the blood or because you don't know me, you don't have my experience. I mean, I think we need to come from a space of love and see that when people want to help, they, they want to help you. So don't exclude them to maintain your sense of solidarity. Like, you know, no man is an island. (laughs) I live on an island. There's so many people there, so many opportunities for for shared love. (laughs) And I think oftentimes we're so caught up in the struggle of being the other, you exclude your potential allies. You can't get from a space of oppression by excluding others in a, who are in a space of power that want to help. And that's one thing I've seen over and over in social movements. I mean, I used to teach social movements at the University of Hawaii. And, you know, you get so caught up in the fight, you forget, like, they want to help us. They want to be our allies. But, I mean, we need to have that conversation like we're not fighting. Oh, I mean, but it seems like we're fighting for resources. We're fighting for money. We're fighting for land. We're fighting for water. Like, let's let's talk. Let's let's see what tactics to use. And would you be comfortable with this outcome? I, I think that's the direction we should be headed. That sounds like there's a balance between not lumping everyone in this one monolithic culture, which isn't 
fair nor the reality, but also making sure that everyone's being included and honoring each other almost. Yeah. I mean, it comes down to like equality and equity. Like one, are you going to invite me to the party? (laughs) Two, can I help plan the agenda for the party? And three, can I make decisions about the party? That is key. One, is this group invited? (laughs) Two, can they sit at the table? But you can open the table up for me and say it's equality, but until I can make decisions, that's where the equity is. You know, and I, and I think when you pass laws and you see all of these laws, oh no, you have, I mean, you have so much opportunity to do this. Everybody has the same equal opportunity. Do they really? Do they really? I think we need to ask ourselves that. Or is it just a, a sign of tokenism or here I'm going to appease myself, but no, you, you can't have the power to make decisions, you know? That, that's the key. That's the, that's the ea. Sorry, that we, in Hawaiian, that's, that's the sovereignty. That's, that's the ea. I'm, I'm not sovereign if I can't make decisions. I love that analogy you had of you're inviting people to the table, but are they allowed to make the menu? That's like, yes. in my mind, that's really like, really like, oh, yes, are you, we're inviting people in, but are we actually giving them the power to make changes and make actual changes and organizations, society, etc. And oftentimes it's these, I call it identity politics, that you want to bring them together, but you're really segregating them by separating them through legal, scientific, or categorical separation. You're still maintaining that separation. So, but again, it's like a double-edged sword. I I identify myself as this this people or that people. But I mean, it's a social construct. Bottom line, all of these are social constructs. Then why can't we as a society construct something for everybody that works for everybody? And that's where the democracy is difficult. It's very ugly. It's very, it's, it's very time consuming, you know, and that's where it warrants participation and people just get tired and burnt out, you know? That's why you you have a lot of babies and you make kids and you teach them and you pass it on for them to take on the fight. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sunny, I feel like I could talk with you for hours more, but we are getting to the point in our podcast where um, we need to wrap up. And I always like to ask our, our guests this one question, which is, what is your purpose? I think my purpose is to do healing work. Whether or not it's in a school, in a courthouse, um, at home, or in my community, I think healing is my purpose. Well, Sunny, thank you so much for chatting with me today. If our listeners want more of you or want to get in touch, what are how should they do that? What are your social media handles, your email, whatever you want to share? Sure. You can email me at egreer at hawaii.edu or find me on Facebook. Like Sunny Alonzo Greer on Facebook. Like, yeah, or hunt me down. Everybody knows or find me through Delta Sigma chapter. I'm still active in Delta Sigma chapter in Hawaii. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your culture, your heritage, your traditions, and giving us such great insights. Can I can I just say something? Absolutely. Before we like we don't say goodbye in Hawaiian. In, in Hawaiian, it's it's ahuiho. It's until we meet again. So, ahuiho. Ahuiho then. 
Love, Lead, Listen is recorded and produced at Alpha Gamma Delta International Headquarters and is generously funded by the Alpha Gamma Delta Foundation. Episodes are released every two weeks, so make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss out on any of our episodes. If you like this show, make sure to rate us five stars on iTunes and don't forget to share it with your friends. If you have an idea for a future episode or any other feedback, send us an email at podcast at alphagammadelta.org. I'm your host, Emily Bice, and that's all for today. See you next time.